Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If you're under leadership that is manipulative, deceptive, uh, making accusations that aren't true, hanging carrots above you, that's not spiritual leadership. That's not how God works. It's not how God motivates people. It's not how, none of that is how God moves his people. But when you don't have God, Saul is pulling out everything you can do in the flesh. In the flesh, if all I have is the flesh, I gotta motivate you with carnal means. You know, I'm gonna give you stuff. I gotta cause fear and, you know, accusations and blame you for something you didn't do. Have you ever worked for a boss that sounded like King Saul? Did they manipulate people? bribe them with raises and promotions, and create a fearful work culture? While this type of leadership is common and sometimes even encouraged by the world, today, Pastor Bill teaches that this can't be how God's leaders act. Christian leaders need to be like David and show compassion and humility in serving the people they are called to lead. If you're in a leadership position, pray for that kind of heart. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 22, as he continues his message, Desperation, Deception, and Death. David goes down to Moab. Now, there's an interesting little thing here. Moab, these are not God's people. Moab are enemies. But David was in the lineage. And in, in David's lineage, there is a Moabite. And somebody tell me how that happened. This is this Bible quiz time. How, what is the connection between David and Moab. Great grandma. Great grandma. Okay. So Ruth 417. Um, yep, David, that's that, that that David is born out of that 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 relationship there with uh Ruth and Boaz. And so um so David tells his parents, I'm gonna take you guys over to Moab and hide you guys out over here. Um now some believe that that was a mistake for David to um leave his parents. Uh, on enemy grounds uh, in this is only tradition. And so in, in some of the Jewish tradition, it says that the Moabites eventually killed David's parents. So here the Bible tells us that David's parents were here the whole time he was in the stronghold and it, and it leaves it there. The Jewish tradition, which we which is not scripture. So, uh, you know, we treat it like, you know, we treat it like man's history. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not, you know. Uh, all we know from here is David left his parents there um, and they were there while he was in the stronghold. The important thing that what we need to know is David was hiding them out. They weren't going to be able to run like David. Right. David's going to be hustling. He's going to be in a cave over here, up the mountain over there, down the road over there. He's going to run them distressed, indebted brother. Them, them brothers going to be in good fitness. Uh, but his parents, he said, y'all need to I need to put y'all up somewhere. Y'all not, y'all not going to be able to make this trip we're going to be making. So. Um, responsible thing that he put his parents away somewhere. Uh, he cared for them, whether it was good or bad. Uh, he put them somewhere. I like what happens in verse five. We don't see David seeking the Lord or inquiring of the Lord. Right. We just see him kind of making decisions. And I, I see David under stress, under pressure, how he got into the position he's in right now. He's just he's just making his best decisions without prayer. Anybody lived like that? at some point in time. And, and if you have, then, you know, you live with the results of your best decisions. Uh, I remember, I remember hearing this one time from a, a counselor at a, my old church and we were sitting with someone that was, 
You see somebody that's just made bad decisions, they're living with bad fruit, but they're still defending their position. And, 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 and my friend said this in counsel. He said, bro, your best decisions have brought you to where you are right now. This is your, where you are right now as a result of your best thinking. You can defend that. You, you want to continue in this or you want to you let this go at this point. And so David has made some bad decisions. I like verse five because it doesn't say David sought the Lord or he prayed. This is, again, a mercy of God. God sends a prophetic word through a prophet to David. Verse five. Now the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. So David was in the stronghold. That was his best decision. That's where he was going to be. And a prophet came and said, don't don't stay here. Word of the Lord. So it, it, it seems that if the prophet hadn't come and said this, David would have stayed and maybe it would have all went bad for him there. This tells me one thing that though David is messing up and though he's made some bad decisions, the Lord is still with him. The Lord is still with him. God is protecting him even now in the position. God's like, man, you, you're not even going to stop and pray. You're not going to even look up. man. Let me send someone to you. And God sent the prophet with a word. And maybe some of us, maybe God has had to send somebody, have somebody call you up, uh, somebody, you know, somebody jump in your business with a word uh, to get you back on track or to remind you of something. The Lord just stepped in here, just sovereignly stepped in and said, hey, get out of here and let David know to get out of there. And he did. He listened. Uh, I give him that. Right. David heard a word from the Lord and he, he, he did it. And um, and it was good that he did. Look at verses six to eight now. Now we're now we're looking at Saul, right? Uh, it says when Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered. Now Saul was staying in Gibeah under a tamarisk tree in Ramah with his spear in his hand, the same spear he'd been chucking at David over and over again and all his servants standing about him. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him. Let me stop right here. We're getting ready to look at a madman. Saul is a madman. Saul is a man in the flesh. And we're going to see what we, what we often see from men that are in the flesh, men that are leading in the flesh. We're going to see manipulation, accusations, and seeking sympathy for even though he's in the wrong, right? We're getting ready to see Saul do all these things, all these this is what he uses his position of leadership to do to the men that are under him. So he's there with his spear in his hand and all his servants are standing around him. Verse seven. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him here now, you Benjamites get that exclamation point. He's yelling at them. Will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? So he's saying, you guys, I'm better than he's. He knows that people have a heart for David. And he says, you guys, is David going to do you as good as I've done you? Is David going to give you guys vineyards and, and, and field? I don't even know Saul had given them that yet. You know, he may just been hanging some, some, some carrots out there. Is he going to make you guys captains of thousands of hundreds like I did? Is he going to do that for you? That's essentially what Saul is saying to these guys. Verse eight, all now he makes an accusation. All of you have conspired against me. And there is no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the, uh, with the son of Jesse. And so now he says, you guys are all against me. You guys are all for David and against me. And none of you guys told me that my son and David were, had made a covenant together. He says, and then he, now he wants sympathy. And there is not one of you who is sorry for me 
or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is this day. He says, none of you guys is sorry for me. <laughs> none of you guys feel sorry for me. It's so weak. This is the weakest, you know, but this is what uh, this is bad leadership. Right. If, if I'm just going to say this, if, if you're under leadership that is manipulative, deceptive, uh, making accusations that aren't true, hanging carrots above you, that's not spiritual leadership. That's not how God works. It's not how God motivates people. It's not how none of that is how God moves his people. But when you don't have God, Saul is pulling out everything you can do in the flesh In the flesh. If all I have is the flesh, I got to motivate you with carnal means. You know, I'm going to give you stuff. I got to cause fear and, you know, accusations and blame you for something you didn't do. And all these different things. Saul is just going further and further downhill because he's he's fallen far away from the Lord. He has no relationship with God at this point. The spirit of God has left him. Saul is not inquiring of God. He hasn't heard from God. This is a man in the flesh going against God with everything he's got. I want you to note, we'll see it the rest of the chapter, that when the Lord was with Saul and Saul was anointed by God and called by God to go against the enemies, the Philistines, I want you to remember back that Saul didn't have any there was no effort put forth. Every time we saw Saul, he was hiding or sitting or afraid or under a tree somewhere. He was doing everything but fighting the enemy. Now we see Saul using every ounce of who he is to go against God and God's people. And I told you guys earlier on, and I'm just going to reiterate it. If you won't do what God's called you to do, what you'll find yourself doing is fighting against you. You'll, you. you'll find people that they won't serve God. They won't they won't settle down and commit themselves to do the things God has called them to do. And but the, but they stick around long enough. And before long, instead of serving God, now you're going against you. You busy fighting with the people of God and 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 complaining about this and fussing about that and picking fights over here. It's interesting when you get in the fight on the right side you realize I need these people. I can't be fighting with y'all. I need y'all. We, the enemy is out there. Amen. But when you're not in the fight, you're sitting around here and then y'all start looking like enemies. We start picking fights with each other. And how come you did this? And, and you said that. And, and I'm unforgiving you and you ain't forgiving me. And, but you, you'd be amazed when we realize now the big the enemy is out there. And uh, I'm going to overlook some things. Right. We're going to we're going to love. We're going to cover a multitude of sins. I, I need my family because the battle is thick out there, you know. But when you don't sign on to God's program and you won't join in to do what God's calling you to do, oftentimes that's what happens. And, um, you know, what I found the most trouble in churches are people that their hands aren't to the plow. Their, their seats are in the their, their butts are in the seats, but their hands are not to the plow. Right. Um, those are the people that got the most to say. That, but the least to do. And uh, so I, I, I listen. <laughs> I listen different to folk that talk big, but but serve little, you know, um, because that, I know that that's what happens. I got a lot of I feel a lot. I see a lot. I think a lot, but I'm not participating. This is Saul. Saul is so far off and it's only going to get worse. He's coming against David. Now he's stirring up his men. Uh, in just a moment, he's going to go against the the. God's priests, which are, you know, probably in the highest order of service at that time would have been the priests in terms of the role that God had given them for Israel. And he's going to come against those whose job it is to help people maintain a relationship with the Lord, 
to offer sacrifices, to inquire of the Lord, to go to God on your behalf and, 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 and you know, come to you on the behalf of the Lord. He's going to be coming against them. Look at verse nine. This is how messed up Saul is. Look at verse nine. Then answered Doeg the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul. So Saul is the king of Israel. He's put over his servants a Gentile. Doeg is an Edomite. This is not even, he's not a child. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a Gentile. He's put this Gentile dog, if you will. I mean, he's put this man uh, over God's people. And this guy is, like, you got an enemy over, over your own people. I'm like, that's, that, that'd be like sending our guys out to Iraq, but putting over them someone un-American, someone that's, you know, partial to Iraq. And it's like, man, I don't want him over me. He might, he might send me to get blowed up. You know, um, that's essentially what, what Saul has done here. So over his servants are, is this man, uh, Doeg the Edomite. And remember, he was there when David had the interaction with Abimelech, the priest. And so... It says here, he, he speaks up, David, you know, Saul just start whining. No one's telling me anything. So he's like, I did. Remember, remember what I did for you? And so this is uh, Doeg reminding Saul. He says, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him and gave him provisions and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. So Doeg just reminds Saul that, remember, I'm Saul. I told you what I saw. Remember? And he tells him what he did. Now, if you guys remember, for you guys that maybe missed that study, uh, David went to the priest, Ahimelech, but he lied to him. Ahimelech said, hey, what's going on? Why are you by yourself? Because that was unusual to see the king by himself. And David lied and said, hey, I'm on king business. Give me bread. Give me a sword. Ahimelech believed him and gave it to him. Now Ahimelech is going to be in trouble because of David's lie. Right. He took care of David. It just, it just so happened that Doeg was present and he watched the interaction. So when it was over, Doeg ran back to Saul and said, hey, Ahimelech, help your enemy David out. And so now verse 11, then the king sent to call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub and all his father's house, the priests who were in Nob and they came to the king. And Saul said, here now, son of Ahitub, he answered, here I am, my Lord. Then Saul said to him, why have you conspired against me? You and the son of Jesse in that you have given him bread and a sword and have inquired of God for him that he should rise against me and lie in wait as it is this day. So Saul is confronting this priest. I want you to again note this, right? You should be going to the priest to inquire of the Lord to worship the Lord, to get some prayer, some direction. Saul is here checking. He's checking and confronting God's priest, the man of God. This is God's anointed servant to his people. And Saul is going after this guy now. Um, he's also chasing after David, another one that God has actually anointed that belongs to the Lord. I just want you to catch this, that Saul is being used of the enemy to go against and to come after those who God has set up as servants. So verse 14, Ahimelech answered the king and said, who is among your servants is as faithful as David. So Ahimelech's answer is not going to be helpful for himself, right? The last thing Saul wants to hear is somebody speak well of David. And Ahimelech only got good things to say about David. He says, Ahimelech answered the king and says, who among 
who among all your servants is as faithful as David? First of all, he says, you don't have anybody as faithful as David. Number two, who is the king's son-in-law? He's your son-in-law. You you gave him your daughter in marriage. That's supposed to bind you guys together. Supposed to. But Saul kill his own folk if he have to. So um, then it's the three says who goes at your bidding. He does whatever you ask him to do. And then number four and is honorable in your house. Man, nobody like him. He's honorable. If you guys remember before everything went south between Saul, everybody in Saul's house revered David. The people really liked him. He had favor with the people there. Verse 15, it says, did I then begin to inquire of God for him? And, and the way this reads here is a little weird with, with the, the heart of what he's saying here is David's been coming to me to inquire. This isn't it's not an odd thing that I would inquire of the Lord for David. That's been our relationship. Um, and so far, he says, far be it from if you look it up in other translations, uh, some say, is this the first time I've inquired of the Lord for David? Like I, this is this is something regular. What's interesting is this. Saul didn't regularly inquire of the Lord. He's, he was king. He didn't have that relationship. Saul didn't have a, a habit of inquiring of the Lord. Something you're going to see as we continue through first Samuel is going to mark David's life. All the way through David's life, we're going to see that he's inquiring. You're going to find that phrase over and over and over again. Sometimes you're going to see it where it seems unnecessary. Seems like it's kind of a it's kind of a no brainer what to do next. And David's like, let me inquire of the Lord first. It's it's such a wise thing that that we got to pick up on. But here, Himalek said, this is not new to David. This is what David does. David's always inquiring of the Lord. We don't need a priest, right? Our, Our priest is who? So we got access in 24 seven. But but back here where you needed a you needed a real word or a direction, you went to the priest. David said, I, I, I'll have a good relationship with the priest then because David was inquiring of the Lord. He had a personal prayer life. He also had a right relationship with those that were connected to God for service and everything else. So he says, look, this is this is not a it's not a strange thing that I would do this for David. And he says, let not the king impute anything to his servant or to any of the house of my father, for your servant knew nothing of all this little or much. And so Ahimelech says, look, I, I really didn't know of what's going on here because David had lied to him. He said, I didn't know little or much. I really had no idea of, you know, what you're saying has taken place between you and David. Uh, rather little or much. He says, I had no idea. And again, I, I just wrote down here in, in my notes again, we have Saul coming strong against God's men when 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 it, when he was terrified to fight Israel's real enemies, the Philistines, this man who wouldn't get up for battle with those that he was supposed to get up for battle for is strong against the people of God. And I just think there's a warning there in that, that um, I am part of the people of God. I got to be so careful that I'm not attacking God's people. I just I realize that that's not the position I want to be in. Uh, and that those who are doing that are it d- doesn't serve them well. Uh, I don't want to be in the number. I want to be helping God's people, building God's people. Uh, but I don't want to be here like a Saul attacking and hindering uh, the people of God. Verse 16. Now it says, and the king said, you shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. Then the king said to the guards who stood by him, turn and kill the priests of the Lord. Because their hand uh, also is with David and because they knew when he fled, did not tell it to me. But 
the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priest of the Lord. So these men that are with Saul are like, yeah, we here, but uh, nah, bruh, nah. I'm not finna, the, 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 I'm not finna start killing priests up in here. Um, and, I, and I like this. Right, this. This tells me that maybe even some of the guys that were with Saul, they weren't with him in heart. They may have been with him in body. They may have been with him in fear, but they weren't with him. These guys are like, I'm, I'm not finna kill priests because you at your word. Um, they could see that this guy is out of control. And I would say this. Um, you know, someone asks, you know, the, when we talk about submission, there are many relationships where God calls for submission. Right. Uh, in marriage, God calls for submission in the relationship between children and parents. God calls for submission uh, in our governing, our governing authorities or those things. God calls for submission. Where does submission end? Where's the boundary of submission? It's when those that are in authority ask you to do something that violates the word of God. So if those that are in authority say do something that is against what the word of God says, that's where submission ends. No, no, won't do that. Uh, it's at that point that we would obey God rather than man. Amen. And so amen to Saul's guys for saying, nah, we're not going to do that. But guess who is more than willing to do so? Doeg. Doeg, the, 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 he got me, you got an enemy on, on staff, you know, you got a, 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 a enemy on staff. And so while Saul's guys wouldn't do it, verse 18, and the king said to Doeg, you turn and kill the priest. Now question, why Saul didn't just do it himself? Ain't never done nothing, but, but hey, never done nothing but jaw jacking, right, right, running his mouth, telling everybody else to do something. Um, I just want to point that out. Why, you know, he didn't do it himself. If you guys remember, and I want you to remember this. When God told Saul to kill all the Amalekites and he didn't do it. And Samuel came down. Samuel's not a warrior. Samuel's a prophet. He's a praying, you know, prophetic word given. You know, he's that man. He comes down and says, hey, Saul, what is the bleeding of the sheep? And Saul says, oh, the people, they wanted to keep the best of the sheep. And we kept King Agag. And Samuel said, bring him here. And Samuel hacked him in pieces, it says. Right. Samuel said, look at me. You, 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 this cannot be. You know, you, you didn't do what God said do. And, he, and Samuel went ahead and did it himself. Um, I just find it interesting that Saul is so willing to do so many this, just not willing to do what God wants. I, I can only reiterate this so many times. But if this is if somebody here needs to hear this, if you are actively doing something outside the will of God and you're not bringing that same passion or obedience or submission or surrender to the thing that God has called you to do, that means your life is turned upside down. You need to get it right side up. And I know there are people that are in that position where I know God has said, go that way, but I'm going this way hard and I'm doing the wrong things with the wrong people for the wrong reasons. And God is saying all of that energy, effort, all that belongs to me over here. There has to be repentance at some point. Um, Saul and I just cheat ahead. We don't ever see Saul repent. We see it get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And he dies. In a terrible way, you know, uh, his life just gets further and further and further and, and never gets right from here. And uh, that's not what we want to be the case for any of us. Right. Uh, we all can repent. David is the picture for us of we can mess up and then get it right. And so that's what we want to do. If, if we have messed up, I got to look to David and say, I could get it right, though, because God is merciful. And we're not Old Testament believers. We're New Testament believers. Right. 
I can cry out to the Lord and the blood of Jesus, the Bible says, will cleanse me of what? All of my sins. First John 1, 9, if you confess your sins to God, it says he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. We know there are many ways that you can spend your day, but we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel. Pastor Bill is the voice behind these teachings here on A Transforming Word. We genuinely trust that what you're hearing is truly having a transforming effect on your life through listening to God's Word. What is standing out to you about the book of 1 Samuel? Is it the character of Samuel and how he came to the position he did in Israel? Perhaps your curiosity is piqued by the accounts of young David fighting off wild animals and even fighting against a giant enemy. There are all kinds of accounts of fights, chases, and running away from someone who was once trusted. There are also great moments of David and Jonathan and their friendship. This Old Testament book can be such a treasure of information, history, and life lessons. We hope that you're connecting with it in multiple ways today. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up, but please join us again for the next edition as Pastor Bill continues to teach through the book of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep learning and growing in the Word and be expected for another great message here on A Transforming Word.